When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. They're clever. They're mischievous. They'll get into the kitchen, the basement, the garage. They'll get into anything. And once they get in, you're in for it. Gremlins, they'll be expecting you. Hello movie viewers and movie lovers, my name is Tim Williams and I'm your host for the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast, where we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter what flick we choose from week to week, we'll have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. So let's jump right into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Cute, clever, mischievous, intelligent, dangerous. What more is there to say about this 1984 sleeper hit that somehow morphed the well-worn, snowy, small-town Christmas tales with little monsters your older siblings whispered around summer campfires and bonfires at Halloween. So turn off your Xena television, put away your leftover fried chicken, and head to Kingston Falls as Jerry D and I discuss Gremlins from 1984 on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Well, welcome in, everybody. I'm so excited for this episode. Uh, it's a great movie and uh, a great guest. I want to introduce everyone to the uh, creator and host of the Totally Rad Christmas Podcast, Mr. Jerry D. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Going great, man. I'm glad to have you uh, on this episode. Uh, it, this was perfect because during the summertime, I like to kind of hit movies that are summer related. And this one was released in summer, but of course it's set at Christmas. And it's I was like, Christmas, well, then yeah. this is right in <laughs> Jerry's wheelhouse. But uh, I was honored to be a part of your podcast uh, last, earlier this year. We went, we did a Lethal, Lethal Weapon. Weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't uh, checked that one out, definitely go check that out. But tell us a little bit about the Totally Rad Christmas podcast and what you got going on. Uh, what you got coming up here pretty sure. soon? Yeah, so it's a uh, it's called Totally Rad Christmas. It's all about Christmas in the '80s. So that's why we you know we click uh, you. And oh I. yeah, yeah. But it uh, it's yeah it's just we we talk anything from movies, specials, music, uh, you know, fads. Mm-hmm. You know, we even did we even did a fashion episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. Foods, things like that. If it was popular, I like to say if it was a gnarly during Christmas in the '80s, we got it covered. <laughs> and um, 
so yeah I, uh, i've done like scrooged of course and christmas yeah. vacation the big ones and then uh we've talked a little bit about like claymation christmas special uh, yeah, you know, yeah. celebration and and stuff like that um but coming up i got some some really good uh some some fun things coming up so um we finally i've broke down we're gonna do die hard <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm more in the camp of it's an action movie set at christmas but right. you know what okay it, in my show it counts so, exactly exactly so, uh, so i got that one uh the simpsons episode is coming up um, all right and then my my inaugural totally rad christmas awards so it's my big oh, christmas yeah, yeah, in july yeah. episode uh people got to vote and uh it's kind of really it's just an excuse for me to do a clip show <laughs> <laughs> there's you know nothing more 80s than a clip show so yeah exactly I thought, I thought let's go ahead and do that and, gonna, uh, are that, you gonna that have... taking me long to edit <laughs> oh, i'm sure are are you gonna have your own dream sequence with you know you're like you know remember remember this and you have a little a little dream <laughs> you know that's kind of how uh Wayne's I, world did it. That I was should. 90s, I should do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, so. Yeah. I definitely should do that. Right now, the, uh, the it's more of like an awards show style. So I gotcha. have a, a, a co-host, and we we kind of talk about red carpets and stuff like that. Oh and, yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be fun. Yeah. It's a great podcast. I know we've been. Uh, it's been one of our ads for, uh, for for a while on this episode. So if you're a faithful listener, you've heard the ads. Uh, now you get to hear Jerry himself. If you haven't checked out the podcast already, but definitely go check it out. So. Uh, let's jump into gremlins. Uh, yeah. so, all right, here we go. Well, before we go, we get, we got to get the rules down because we don't talk about the rules. <laughs> the rules could be broken before this podcast is over. So right. the rules are keep them out of sunlight. Yes. Don't let them get wet. And mm-hmm. whatever you do, no matter how much they beg, don't ever feed them after midnight. And I think we're good because we got a couple hours before we hit midnight. So I think we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I get snacky. So I yeah, like, yeah. I like yeah. a good but snack I, around but the I, time. Yeah. But I did check my alarm clock to make sure they didn't chew the the uh, the plug. So it didn't get stuck on 1140. And so <laughs> we won't get go. tricked this time. So, all right, Jerry, <laughs> when did you see Gremlins for the very first time? So I was four years old when I saw Gremlins. Oh, my goodness. We went to a double feature. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it was the marketing. So oh, yeah. Oh, especially yeah, yeah. here in the US, they kind of really focused a lot more on Gizmo and on Billy, mm-hmm, like in the mm-hmm. marketing, you know, the trailers, things like that. Oh, yeah. uh, and they barely showed the, the creatures. So we went to a double feature, which I mean, I don't know why my parents took me to a double feature when I was four <laughs> years old, but we went to see Ghostbusters and oh, Gremlins wow. together. Yeah. And it, I know the, the librarian scene in Ghostbusters mm-hmm. scared me so much that I'm uh, sure I, I, I yeah. And then I fell asleep a little bit during uh, the rest of it. But then Gremlins, I thought Gizmo was super cute mm-hmm. and I wanted one. Uh, and then I was scared of the creatures, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as any four year old would be. Uh, yeah. But I, I always remember that uh, just just go into the because it was one of those. Um, it was a movie theater set like in a mall. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'll never forget. We went to La Plaza Mall and there was a theater there and we saw it and it was awesome. Cool. Yeah. And I think I talked about this on last episode. So Ghostbusters and Gremlins actually released the same week. So uh, and uh, I think Ghostbusters ended up in first place. Gremlins was second. (laughs) We'll talk about that later with uh, box office. So, yeah, I try to remember when I saw. Go ahead. I was just gonna say what a great week weekend for movies. yeah like exactly ghostbusters and gremlins wow right that's great and then i think i read and i probably it's probably in the notes too that like uh indiana jones and the temple of doom had come out like two weeks before this so if you had missed you know it's like it's, it was a great summer for the movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> wish i was a little older so i could appreciate it better but, yeah uh, yeah that's all right yeah i was definitely older i would have been uh eight going on nine so a little bit a little bit older than you were at that point but 
I, I'm pretty sure I don't I don't have the most vivid memory of seeing this in the theater, but I know I did because I remember talking about it with my friends, like because I think we all went to see it at different times. So I remember talking to them about it and like how cool it was and how scary it was and all that kind of stuff. So I'm yeah. sure I went and saw the theater and I'm sure my mom took me and probably my sister, who's a little older than me. Uh, and I think she was kind of freaked out by how you know scary, it, you know, quote unquote <laughs> scary it was. Yep. And I, I don't remember, like, I remember like you, I remember Ghostbusters and I remember the librarian scene. I remember being freaked out by that for sure. So yeah. That totally freaked me out. Um, <laughs> this one, I don't think scared me as much. I think the only scene that probably like made me really nervous was the little pods scene where they, when they're coming out of the pods, that's probably yeah. the most creepy. And then that, and then for some reason, them eating the chicken is really kind of creepy as well. And maybe that's more creepy to me as an adult. Like that's just gross. <laughs> uh, well, I remember uh, when, when, and spoiler alert, but, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but no, I remember when uh, Stripe is melting at the end. Yes. Yeah. And that used to, that scared the, the yeah. heck out of me as well. Yeah. I think by that point, you've kind of been desensitized enough. You've seen enough kind of <laughs> craziness true, at that yeah. point. So, but we'll get, we'll get into we'll that. Talk about yeah, kills, yeah, yeah. 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 That's that. We're definitely going to talk about that a little bit later. So, um, so when was the last time you saw it before watching it for this uh, podcast? So um, I, I watched it uh, today for this podcast, but mm-hmm. before then um, I watched it for my own podcast uh, back in, in, let's see, I recorded in October. So October uh, was okay. the last time, but again, that was for a podcast uh, prior right. to that. I hadn't seen it probably in about 10 years, Yeah, not because I, I didn't want to, it was just, you know, with life and you just, mm-hmm. you don't really get to sit down and watch too many movies. And so when I do, it's usually uh uh, it, it's usually something that um, that will relax me and calm me down. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I'll fall asleep to it and not even pay attention. You know, <laughs> you're right. Uh, right. So it's a long day, so um, it, it's usually not Gremlins, is what I think of when I, yeah. <laughs> when I think of that. It's, yeah, I'm thinking more like Clue. You know, oh some, yeah, yeah, or Fletch or some sort. Yeah, yeah, somebody like that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it'd been probably a good decade, uh, and then I saw it in October, and then of course I saw it again today. And man, it still holds up. I love. Oh this yeah, film. it's yeah. so good. It is so good. Maybe about the same time as you did, because I think it was October of last year. No, it might have been October of 2019. Maybe it's been two years. But when my daughter hit like nine, ten, we were just talking about movies I watched as a kid. I think we I think it was Goonies. I wanted to watch Goonies. And so I wanted her to watch nice. Goonies with me. And yeah. so and she was like not totally she was totally not into it for the first like 20 or 30 minutes. But then at the end, you know, she was fully invested. And so then I think around October. I was like, oh, you know, this is the prime time. You got E.T., you've got Gremlins, mm-hmm. you've got, uh, you know, Monster Squad, like that. And so we watched E.T., which she made it almost all the way through, but it was late. We started a little later than we should have, and she fell asleep. And I think oh, she finished yeah. it. So, so then I was like, oh, yeah, Gremlins. But I had not seen it. Once again, like kind of like you, it had been a long time since I'd seen it. So yeah. that whole opening, even watching it again today, is like like the first 45 minutes are kind of like a blur. It's like, I was like, have I... Did, I, did they add this scene? Do I remember this before? You know, <laughs> yeah. Because there's just a lot of like stuff that seems like it's not important, but they're just kind of kind of setting the story up. But those are those are not the scenes that you remember going back and watching it. So, um, so she gave up like way early. Like she was like she. Uh, would, I gotcha. it, it took too long for Gizmo to kind of become a, a character, get totally engaged with. Yeah. Um, but I went ahead and watched it all the way to the end. And I was like, wow, I don't remember this being, I was like, I'm glad she didn't watch it. Cause she probably would not have made it <laughs> she might, yeah. to the end anyway. It was, it was, you know, much scarier, you know, uh, than, than I remembered it for, for, for someone her age to watch. So, right, right. um, 
So then I watched it again today for the podcast and my wife and I watched it together. And so, and she was the same thing. She's like, this was gremlins. What is this at the beginning of the first, she missed like the first five minutes and came in about five minutes in. And she was like, you're watching gremlins. I don't remember this. It's like, Oh yeah, keep, keep watching it. You'll, it'll, you'll get <laughs> it. To is, the, trust me. Yeah. You'll get to the part you'll remember. So, but yeah, so it, it, like you said, it does, it still holds up. There's still some great, uh, there's some funny lines or some mm-hmm. great gags and it, you know, just, it's just a lot of fun. It, it's just a fun movie and it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny because like the, you know, the gremlins themselves, like you said, don't show up till about 40 minutes in or mm-hmm. so 45 minutes in. Um, and so there's a lot of just character building, you know, kind of, kind of with Billy and his dad and, and just, uh, even Phoebe Cates, you know, to a lesser extent, but they're, mm-hmm. they're really just kind of setting it up as a this small, small town. And because of that, they kind of give you like a sense of comfort, you know, but you know that, Hey, the gremlins are coming. Mm-hmm. Where are the gremlins? So you're also, it, there's like this, this dichotomy of like the, the comfort, but also like the, the pool of intention of like, okay, when is it, <laughs> when are the creatures going to start attacking? Right. Right. Uh, and so it's, I think Joe Dante just does like a brilliant job with that. Oh Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, well, let's go ahead and jump into the story origin and pre-production yeah. about how this movie came about. And of course, you know, you've, you've done a podcast on this, so feel free to jump in and uh, correct me if I make mistakes or throw in <laughs> something you might've heard uh, that kind of embellishes a little bit more. So uh, as I found out, the story of Gremlins was conceived by Chris Columbus. You'll know his name as he was a, a well-known uh, screenwriter and director in the nineties. Uh, mm-hmm. As Columbus explained, his inspiration come from, came from his loft when at night, what sounded like a platoon of mice would come out and to hear them skittering around in the blackness was really creepy. He said, he then wrote the original screenplay as a spec script to show potential employers that had writing abilities. The story was not actually intended to be filmed until Steven Spielberg took an interest in turning it into a film. As Spielberg explained, it was one of the most original things he'd come across in many years, which is why he bought it. Mm-hmm. So Spielberg took the project to Warner Brothers and co-produced it through his own company, Amblin Entertainment. I think this was the very first Amblin Entertainment uh, right. that had yeah. the logo on there. So uh, the movie's filled with a bunch of sawed off little monsters wreaking havoc during one of the most treasured holidays. It sounds like something Tim Burton would have adored to direct. And Burton was actually on Spielberg's shortlist to direct the movie after seeing his short Frankenweenie. <laughs> However, the prevailing theory was that the guy who becomes Tim Burton was still untested in directing feature films. Mm-hmm. So Spielberg went with Joe Dante, who previously directed The Howling, and it's a good life portion from Twilight Zone, the movie. So, oh yeah, 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 and I love The Howling too. Yeah, that's a good one. And <laughs> that's another one, good one. Yeah, that's one I haven't watched in a long time, but I remember really same liking here. that one as a kid. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh, it, it's. I think I'm going to have to add it like in October as a Halloween episode, but, um, but yeah, Joe Dante, I mean, of course now he's known for his horror comedy Mm -hmm. style. Um, But at the, at the time, you know, like you said, he'd really only done a couple of big things there. Mm -hmm. So he was even, uh, even though he was more tested than, than Burton, he was Mm -hmm. also still kind of wet behind the ears. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But you, but you got, but you got Steven Spielberg who is, executive producing and i'm saying that with air quotes because <laughs> as we talked about with goonies and i think poltergeist which we haven't covered but i read about that that he's there every day and kind of co-directing as well so you're getting a lot yeah. of those spielberg touches even though it's dante's name on his director you know with spielberg involved he's adding a lot to that as well so mm-hmm. and uh chris columbus i believe mm-hmm. uh, I think he wrote this as like a spec script. Yeah. Like, like I think he really was just uh, trying to, to, to get his foot in the door. Exactly. Uh, which is really cool also because 
because uh, I mean, my brother is, is writing spec scripts for his classes and stuff like that. And so, oh, yeah. so just knowing like all this stuff uh, about it and spec scripts, it's like, wow, okay. So most of the time they're not even, you know, they're just kind of junked, but just the <laughs> fact that this one actually got picked up. Uh, yeah. I mean, that in, in and of itself is a remarkable feat. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just really exciting that, that he did it. And then it really launched Chris Columbus's career. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, and so I, then we got home alone and stuff like that. After mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. I think he got gremlins because of this one. I he got Goonies because of this one. And so, yeah. um, which I think we covered that in the Goonies episode. But yeah, I think Spielberg said, I think there was a quote that, that he said that was the, when he saw it, it wasn't so much, you know, what what the script was as much as the idea. And he yeah. thought the idea of Gremlins, the you know, wreaking havoc on a town was one of the most original ideas he had seen in a while. And so, and that seemed to pique his creative interest, especially after he had done E.T., Close yeah. Encounters of the Third Kind that was kind of like in Jaws, you know, he's kind of like, oh, this could be fun to kind of think, you know, kind of play around in the background and, and add my little two cents in without being fully involved. So uh, which I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, because it's one of those where, like, I think the original script was a lot darker. It was. Yeah. If I recall, like, I think uh, I think I read that the mom was going to be decapitated or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they eat the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How would you market that? Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and once again, you know, and think about, you know, Columbus wasn't, he wasn't expecting this to be filmed at all. He was just kind of being That's creative true. and yeah. just throwing out, you know, the most, some of the most outrageous ideas, yeah. but, but Spielberg knew he wanted to keep it on the PG side. So they had right. to tone down a lot of those, those aspects of the script. So yeah, I think I have that in my notes. Yeah. Um, the various scenes were cut, including one who played Billy's mother dying in her struggle with the gremlins with her head <laughs> thrown down the stairs when Billy arrived. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, Dante later explained the scene made the film darker than the filmmakers wanted. There was also a scene where the gremlins ate Billy's dog and a scene where the gremlins <laughs> attacked McDonald's and ate the customers instead of burgers. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that That's... definitely would have been a different yeah different take altogether <laughs> yeah for sure it's like there's a i, I know they wanted uh, robert de niro as one of the uh, one of the wet bandits in home alone and this, that yeah it's kind of like the same thing you know it's like it would have been a much darker film oh yeah yeah <laughs> and this is this is that version you know if, if they had kept in the mcdonald's thing <laughs> <laughs> once again what what started off on the on the page isn't necessarily what they got you know in the final product but it all worked out you know yeah that, you know having a good idea Sometimes it's better than being a great scriptwriter, which, you know, speaking of Chris Columbus, he ended up being a great scriptwriter and became a good director as, as well. So, director. Yeah, so but right. just a way to get your get your foot in the door. So, all right, well, let's jump into casting. This one's got uh, some fun ones on this one. So we'll start with Phoebe Cates. Uh, she was cast as Kate, Billy's girlfriend, despite concerns that she was known for playing more risque parts, mm-hmm. such as Linda Barrett in Fast, Tam- uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High in 1982. Oof. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think we, everybody we, had a crush on her after yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. uh, Spielberg urged the casting of the relatively unknown Zach Galligan as Billy because he saw chemistry between Galligan and Cates during auditions. Spielberg commented when Galligan was testing with Cates that it came across that he was in love with her already. And that was yeah. how Galligan won the part. He still had to beat out some strong competition from other more well-established actors like Emilio Estevez and Judd Nelson, who were up for the lead role as well. So I thought that was interesting that yeah. those two names came up. Granted, Zach didn't really do much more after this and Gremlins 2, right. which we won't talk about uh, in this one. Uh, but I could kind of see Emilio Estevez in that role. Not so much Judd Nelson, but 
uh it would have been interesting yeah i think judd nelson would be would have been too harsh yeah uh like, like he just has a more of an edge to him and that i think wouldn't have been mm-hmm. quite uh suitable for this I, I and i think that's why zach works because yeah. he is like just the sweet you know sweet right little guy right uh emilio estevez yeah i can see him he's kind of in between um, yeah but yeah i I think it would have been an interesting movie, but again, I don't know if it would have had that same, uh, that, that same bang that mm-hmm. it has just because he is, uh, you know, Zach plays like that innocence, just mm-hmm. average, you know, sweet guy. Yeah. Um, so well. So, and I definitely see the chemistry that, that Spielberg was talking about. Oh I mean, yeah. You yeah, can yeah. tell, uh, he's got like a crush on her or something, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't blame him. I mean, exactly. It's like, who, but, who, like who wouldn't like that's yeah. you know, you're looking for chemistry, sign me up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep yep same thing yeah um so i mean i i think it would have been interesting with emilio estevez but i think i would have preferred him in that darker version of Grimm. yeah well and then too you kind of think about you know and and we'll kind of we'll talk about a little bit more that spielberg really pushed for billy not to be the hero like he really wanted he he saw the potential of gizmo being who every kid wanted to you know root for and keeping yeah. him as like the you know the real underdog of the story, not so much as Billy. And so right. to make him kind of be the hero and Billy's just kind of, Billy's really a bystander in the whole movie. I mean, I think he kind of, he saves, uh, he saves Kate when they're all Kate. taking over the, uh, taking over the bar. Um, does he say he saves his mom when, when she's uh, almost being choked out at the tree. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to actually taking out the gremlins at the end, it, uh, it's all gizmo. So, but we'll, we'll kind of talk more about that as we get there, but yeah. But yeah, so, but yeah, I think Phoebe Cates, Zach Galligan, I think those are, those are pretty perfect choices for this movie, um, for what, what they were trying to do. So, and I'm going to do really good if I call him Zach Galligan and not call him Zach Galifianakis. (laughs) That's why I stopped. I just said Zach. (laughs) So so just, all right. So moving right along, Randall or Rand, uh, uh, Billy's dad was played by Hoyt Axton who was always the filmmaker's preferred choice for the role, even though it was wildly contested by other actors. Action's experience, including acting as the father in the Black Stallion in 1979, and he yeah. was also a country music singer-songwriter, uh, which they said during in between takes, all he would do is sit down with his guitar and just sing songs for the crew uh, in between awesome. takes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after an introductory scene to Gremlins was cut, Action's voice earned him the added role of the narrator to establish some context. Uh, Pat Harrington Jr. was also considered. Uh, I'm not really sure who that was, but Pat Hingle, who I know from Batman 1989, yep. was said to have delivered the best screen test, but was passed on because it was feared Randall would take over the movie as a result of Ingle's excellent performance, which I think is pretty <laughs> hilarious. I don't, <laughs> you're, that's basically you're saying you're too good. You're, right, exactly. It's not going to work because you're too good. Yeah. It's like, okay, well. Like, I don't see how that character is going to take over the movie, but okay. <laughs> like, like, how do I not get it apart if I'm like perfect for it? Right, exactly. No, but I, I could totally see that. I mean, yeah. he's got a, uh, n- and nothing against uh, Hoyt, but, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, the, the other guy, uh, Pat, Pat Hingle, has more yeah. of a, he has more of a gravitas. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. 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 He's just, you know, it's like, wow, there's, there's that aura, that presence Mm -hmm. about him. It's commanding. So I can, I can kind of see that. But uh, again, I would have liked to have seen maybe him with the Emilio Estevez with the darker version, you know, (laughs) let's, let's get that going. (laughs) 
<laughs> release release the darker gremlins cut we're there gonna, you go we're gonna, we'll <laughs> release the Emilio it. cut yeah Emilio <laughs> cut there you go so uh but yeah i but I, I mean i like hoyt for what he is i mean you know he's not a major role in the movie you know he has the voiceover work at the beginning he right. kind of he's there and then he's gone and he's back again but he does have that kind of gullible you know yeah. down home small he he definitely has the small town feel more so than i think pat hingle would have had not that i, I know agree. his not, i don't know his career that extensively but uh but he does kind of he gives you that small town feel just to hear him talk mm-hmm. and how he interacts with the wife and and billy uh i think it definitely it definitely builds that family dynamic so it could have been that maybe the dynamics was a big part of it too maybe padding was great read but if he didn't have the chemistry with the family it wouldn't have worked as well so yeah especially when you're doing a family i mean you have to have chemistry it, yeah it's got to be there i mean there, there's a few movies where it's like i don't buy them as related at mm-hmm. all, you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing so i'm glad they went with it uh he seemed like he was the father of billy you know yeah uh, yeah like like they you could tell where the traits were coming from mm-hmm. so i i thought it was a great job and great casting there yeah all right so moving right along with uh mr wing who was played by k luke a renowned film actor whose film career spanned half a century I thought this is really cool. He started in Hollywood as a mural artist. Oh, even wow. yeah, even though he was 80 at the time of filming, he actually had to wear makeup to look older. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Zach told a story about asking the actor what his secret was to having such smooth, youthful skin at his age, bracing himself for an ancient Chinese secret joke. Galligan was told that it was just no fried foods. So oh. I'm I'm in I'm in big trouble. I'll never have that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. I I oh well. <laughs> I'm just gonna be old and wrinkly. And I just all. had some fries uh, just a little while ago. <laughs> right. Right. So, oh shucks. So yeah, but I and it's funny because some of this I did I did a lot of my research before I watched it, which I don't normally do. I normally watch it and then do research. But because I I I'd recently watched it, I was like I'm gonna go do my research. So even on his scenes, I was really looking. I was like. How much of that is makeup? Because he doesn't look really old. I mean, they look they make him look a little weathered, but he still looks like right. he has pretty smooth skin in, in the movie as well. But uh, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. No fried foods. So one of my favorite characters <laughs> oh, who's not right. in it very much either is Corey Feldman, who was at, up at that time, had primarily been in commercials. He played Pete, yeah. establishing his early credentials as a child actor. It has been stated that he was added to this movie when Steven Spielberg dropped his character from E.T. in 1982. In both stories, he was to be the best friend of the boy who has the creature. He's so young in this movie, and it's so crazy that it's just a year between this and Goonies, but he looks so much older in Goonies than he does in Gremlins. <laughs> you know, and, and I can see how that, like his character and the age would mm-hmm. have been perfect for E.T. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, here, yeah. You know, it's like, it is a little odd because he's, you know, he's so much <laughs> younger than Billy. Yeah. But, it, you know, I guess it's like a little brother kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah. Yeah. that's what it seemed like i mean i i remember and i i wanted i was doing some of the research like i was like have i done a podcast on this board like no i haven't but i had listened to a podcast that did some deep dives into this stuff and they brought up the whole thing about you know is it weird that billy has such a young friend as, yeah. as pete like <laughs> who thought this was a good idea to have this you know you would cut for zach's look in the eighties, you would think they would have had him as like a 16 year old high school student because he's not, you know, but he's working in the bank. Obviously he's, you know, he's graduated high school. So you got this kid who's, you know, maybe he's not got, not going to college, but he's outside of high school talking to a kid who's maybe like a freshman in high school, maybe, 
maybe, maybe younger. Yeah. So, uh, so it is kind of, you know, if you don't think about it too much, it doesn't bother you. But if you start thinking about it, it's like, okay, but I, I'm like you, I think it was more the, just a small town. Everybody knows yeah. everybody. Yeah. Billy's the only child. Pete was probably a only child Could as well. Be, just, yeah. you know, seemed like two, two, you know, two guys that just kind of built a friendship and just, Hey, kind of younger brother, older brother, which is kind of the vibe you get from many ways, get, even their interactions. Yeah. So I think it works. I think it works. Yeah, I do too. I, and I, you know, it was the eighties. It was yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we, we, we say that uh, by today's standards, yeah, that'd probably be very problematic. I think mm-hmm. back then, uh, most people wouldn't even have right. We, an eye yeah. at it. Yeah. I didn't think about it, so <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't until later, you know, a uh, couple of years or not a couple of years, uh, when I saw it in October, I was like, huh. mm-hmm. you know, of course <laughs> now uh, it's been so long and it's more right. modern, but, right. but yeah, back then it was like, oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would hang out, hang out with my cousin. You know, and he was uh, uh, at least 10 years older than I was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gag Me With The Spoon, The Other Half Of The Battle, and Chant With The Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. Uh, one one of the characters, or one of the actresses in this that I, c- I always forget that she's in until she pops up on screen, but it's one of my favorite, Polly Holiday. <clears throat> an actress best known for her role as Alice from the eighties played Mrs. Deagle. Mrs. Deagle. Yeah. So, and who can forget her Alice kiss my grits. Uh, so <laughs> that was uh, one of my, one of my, my family's favorite shows watching as a kid. Uh, yeah. We used to watch that a lot too. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. And she was, and so this was such a interesting, a different, a, you know, a different character for her. It was, uh, yeah. so, which is, you don't expect Alice to be like, evil yeah yeah <laughs> but she's definitely i mean she i guess she's not evil but she's she's just very um bitter and yeah. mean and i mean it's it was definitely a stretch and, yeah. and it was kind of difficult to see her in that yeah in that yeah role. <laughs> right <clears throat> and i thought it was funny because she's kind of watching it she's kind of a mix between ebenezer scrooge and cruella because yeah. she wants to take over, she's stingy with their money, but then she's trying to kill all the dogs, and she's a cat person. So it's just it's kind of a weird, you know. <laughs> she's such a weird character, but she's so much fun to watch. And that I just yeah. thought that was that was awesome to see her and in this. And she gets her comeuppance. Yes, <laughs> I love that. All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, two other well-known actors: Fast Times Judge Reinhold. And character oh, yeah. actor Edward Andrews received roles that were significantly reduced after the film was edited. They played Billy's superiors at the bank. So yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about their how their characters were had more to do when we get into some deleted and omitted scenes. But uh, 
and I thought this was cool. A lot of people didn't realize that I've been seeing this a lot for some reason on social media. And I've known this for a couple of years that people are like, I was today years old when I realized that Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. And I, I found that out uh, when, when was it? When Howie Mandel started hosting um, Deal or No Deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's when I learned about it. <laughs> yeah, I think, and, and probably because, and we've talked, I've talked about this in the previous episodes, because we had HBO as a, when I was a kid, that was like the channel I'd watch all the time. And so back then, I don't know if it's that much that much anymore now because now if I have HBO, I just go to on demand and watch whatever. I don't watch right. it like in between. But back then it was like if you wanted the next movie to come on, you had to sit through 20 or you know, between 15 and 20 minutes of I guess filler they would create. And so a lot yeah. of times they'd have little behind the scenes things that we would now get on DVDs and Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Back then you didn't get that kind of stuff. So I want to say that I had seen some kind of behind the scenes thing with knowing that Howie Mandel was the voice. And then when he became a little bit more, you know, well-known later in the eighties, I remember seeing some of his stand-up. Uh, and oh, he wow. would do voices during, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> we won't talk about that right now, but anyway, but yeah, so his stand-up, <laughs> yeah. but he would do the voices like he did Bob, you know, was a Bobby, Bobby's Bobby, world, from Bobby's world. Yeah. yeah Bobby's world, so he would do those voices. And so I'd kind of put that together, but, uh, but yeah, but yeah, he, 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 they, they used him as a voice actor for that. And then another name that I did not realize through the, doing the, thus for doing the notes for this one is some of the other gremlins were voiced by michael winslow who you would know from police academy oh yeah nice and i was like yeah exactly (laughs) so i thought and and peter cullen as well who was uh, a very well-known voice actor so i just thought that was yeah Yeah. i thought that was cool that they you had these great voice actors working in the background as well that i never knew that until uh until recently so it's super cool yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's funny because um sometimes especially nowadays they try to use like big names for mm-hmm. some of these movies and right uh, of course big name actors are they work but um there's something about voice actors specifically that uh, just manage you know they they manage to get all their emotion only in their voice because that's i mean that's all they do yeah exactly and so they, they have a way that i've noticed at least of of really um just being so much more Oh gosh, what's the word? Dramatic and so, so much. I mean, just better, I guess. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Even than some of the the big name actors. Oh yeah. So like oh yeah. Like you think of like the last unicorn, you know, and and mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges in there. Jeff Bridges is a good actor, but he was not a good voice actor. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would have rather heard like Paul Freeze or someone in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, and I've heard, you know, once again behind the scenes stuff, which is probably why I became, which is why I love doing this podcast. Right, I love to do the research and find the behind the scenes stuff because I got hooked on those behind the scenes, you know, little shorts or whatever. But um, I've heard so many like big actors yeah. that get a a voiceover role in like a movie, and they talk about how much harder it is to do than when they're doing a regular scene because when you're voice acting, you're not usually interacting with other people. You're totally in a booth by yourself you've got a script maybe uh and maybe a maybe a couple like drawings uh, concept art but that's all you have to go on and so they they then when you're doing voice acting all the time you know how to give it you know from the from the get-go whereas we're a big big name actor that's not used to doing that they have to work a lot harder to do that so uh i agree i think i think that was that makes sense having having good voice actors definitely makes a difference so and even though yeah. I think they said in the original script, none of the gremlins had any speaking roles. Like think, there were no, yeah. there were no speaking parts at all. And so because they had to use the, the, the uh, puppets, 
they, they knew their mouths were moving. So they, it was kind of more thing than post where they're like, Hey, we've got to add some dialogue here. So it doesn't look so weird. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I really want to know who does the maniacal <laughs> laugh of the gremlins, because that is one of my favorite hearing them <laughs> laugh. Just why that brings me joy. I don't know, but it's <laughs> laugh. It's just that maniacal laugh that they do is so funny so yeah I, I love what they do with the gremlins here uh i mean just in general the the way they move like, mm-hmm. like when they're you know chasing and uh, again i know i'm getting ahead of it but like when they're, when they're chasing uh zach and and phoebe you know down uh in that the movie theater mm-hmm. i mean just the way that they move and somehow the, the cameras uh pics of them i mean it's just it it's framed so well it, mm-hmm. they, they kind of have like a little shuffle gate yeah. kind of you know, <laughs> thing that i really enjoy uh, it, it's just there and it, for all animatronics and, you know, all practical mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it really, it's, yeah, it's yeah. well done. Yeah. Very well. Cause done. I believe it more than, you know, like critters or, uh, or you know, ghoulies or some of the other ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These ones are just a lot better. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's jump into uh favorite scenes or most iconic scenes. This is the real fun part. We talk about the parts that we really like. So I'll let you go first. Yeah. So we'll start, we'll start <laughs> okay. with iconic. So when you think of gremlins, what is the first scene that comes to mind when you think of gremlins? The very first scene that comes to my mind is uh, when Stripe is melting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not like, it's not like a, a major scene, but just as right. soon as someone says gremlins, like that's what, it's and a, I know it's because it scarred me as a kid, but uh, <laughs> I think part of it was because he was in the fountain, you yeah. know, and so he's bubbling, he's getting ready to, to, reproduce to to reproduce i guess yeah and um but at the same time he's you know he's dying from the Mm -hmm. sunlight and so it's like like that image uh and then you just see his skull on the floor i mean it just Mm -hmm. uh it it always sticks out so as soon as someone says gremlins that's the first thing i think of and uh again i know it's like not the 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 most iconic but it yeah it just it i think there's something about it that uh just stuck with me and i think it was because i was four and freaked out (laughs) yeah i think that has a lot to do with it we'll you know we'll yeah i think it has a lot to do with it yeah but yeah but that's a but that's a pretty visually stunning scene i mean i think especially for then Mm -hmm. you hadn't seen anything like that, especially in like a PG kids movie, you wouldn't have seen anything close to that. So yeah, definitely, definitely iconic for sure. All right. So for me in a very similar fashion, my, the most iconic scene for me is, (laughs) and it's kind of the full scene is the mom in the kitchen and her, you know, the, 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 the gremlins. So though the explosion in the, in the microwave is by far the number one, like I, (laughs) that, yeah. When I think of Gremlins, I just remember seeing that exploding. And probably because after seeing that movie, every time I put something in the microwave from that point forward, <laughs> I would kind of watch it for a few minutes. Like, is it going to explode? Is, is it, it going to explode? explode? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> but, uh, but that, and then when I think it gets, the first one gets caught in the juicer, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And you see That's the green, the, the, the and, green and blood splatters everywhere. By, by the way, uh, sorry for interrupting, but no good. Uh, that mom is awesome yes yes <laughs> she's she's amazing she kills like four of them all by herself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh i just i just wanted to bring that up because oh you're no right. you're, it, it, you're it's right. a great it's a great scene <laughs> yeah all right so those are iconic so then what's your favorite scene or you or you have or favorite scenes it could be more than one so so yeah my all-time favorite scene is uh, the one you just mentioned actually with uh <laughs> with the mom where she you know she kills the one in the juicer and then the mm-hmm. microwave or she stabs one next and then oh, yeah, the microwave yeah. and then uh, the fireplace mm-hmm. uh I mean she is just I know she's like just in defense mode but man she 
she really yeah. does a great job of killing those gremlins. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there's one thing that I did, I noticed this time and probably because the last time I watched this, I had not seen the movie that it references, but if you know, the shining at the beginning of that scene, the music plays just a few notes or a little bit of that or music from the shining. Nice. And so I picked up on it because I've seen the shining since then. And so I was kind of waiting for her to give some kind of like, uh, <laughs> Here's Johnny. you know, Shelly Duvall pose or whatever. Oh, with, yeah, you know, yeah. From that. But she doesn't. But I just when that music started, I was like, "Ooh, I never noticed that before. Oh, that's very ominous. And like that was totally for the adults in the theater. You know, that was a great nod for, you know, for horror fans yeah. uh, to pick up on that, which I, I picked up this time. So I thought was really cool. So but go ahead. Which speaking of music, Jerry Goldsmith did this. Yes score and and he i mean he's like my all-time favorite film composer uh okay i, I just i think he's so creative his mm -hmm. orchestrations are amazing uh but the thing that i really like about it is that, that gizmo theme like mm -hmm. that, that main theme it's just so nice and sweet yeah. you know and then all of a sudden it morphs into that <laughs> that frantic you know gremlins yeah. bump 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 mm -hmm. bump but you know it's just it's kind of almost like a little march or polka kind of a thing yeah oh yeah uh, and it's just it, it works because the, the creatures are scary mm -hmm. but they're also you know kind of kind of playful yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just sly and wily mm -hmm. uh so it just i think he perfectly captured that and so every time the gremlins would come on screen um you know and you'd hear like that that music i mean mm -hmm. it just it, it always uh it just brings a huge smile to my face yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh, my other favorite scene by the way is the uh the monologue that Phoebe Cates gives about oh, her dad yeah. and Seth. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so, I mean, it's, it's terrible. Let me yeah. say it. It's terrible, <laughs> but it's funny. It's so funny. <laughs> and I always feel bad laughing at it. Cause, yeah. Cause it's not something that's, that should be funny, but right. But it is her, yeah. her delivery and, and mm -hmm. everything. It's just, <laughs> yeah. When she, when she started that speech today and I knew it was coming, my wife looked at me and she was like, really? This is she's like what 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 story is this? How, is she, really, and I was like, yeah, this is part of the movie. And yep. uh, one little note was that uh, the producers or the studio did not want it in the movie at all and wanted to pull it. And Spielberg actually didn't like it either because they couldn't tell based on her delivery. They couldn't tell was she being serious or was she being funny. Yeah. And Dante was like, well, that's the whole point of this movie. Is that's a, <laughs> I, that it's the it's the right. perfect. That is this movie in a nutshell. Are we are we are we trying to be scary? Are we trying to be funny? Or are we just trying to be both? And so Spielberg said, "It's Dante's movie. Yeah, I'm, he's director. I'm gonna let him have the final say, even though I don't like it." And it got it stayed in the movie, and I'm kind of glad it stayed because yeah, it, it, I am it, too. <laughs> it, that is another iconic part of this movie that you don't think about Grimms without that speech, uh, yeah. for sure. So, <laughs> oh man, her poor dad. Yeah, but, yeah. But that's that's one of my favorite parts. I just every time it comes on, I just mm -hmm. I crack up and it, <laughs> it just it makes me laugh so bad. And you've got to be thinking from Billy's perspective, like, who is this girl that I'm falling in love with? <laughs> exactly. What right. am I what am I signing up for? What maybe, am I getting into? Yeah, yeah, maybe I need to reassess my attraction. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh yeah. You know, so we can't help who we fall in love with. Exactly. So, you know, gotta take, you know. To take you know take the good you take the bad you take them both and there you have facts of life <laughs> the facts of life facts that's of right life. <laughs> that's right so yeah, yeah. so there, there's a lot of great scenes uh favorite scenes like i said i i think the the kitchen scene is probably my overall favorite scene just that whole that whole uh section of the film is is fantastic uh yeah. and and I, all my favorite scenes are all like the kills i guess you could say um 
But my my favorite yeah. one is is Mrs. Deagle. Uh, and I told my wife and I was like, this is my favorite scene uh, when she gets on the uh, the wheelchair or the, 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 the stair, stair ramp or stair ramp or whatever. Ramp or whatever. Yes. And I just remember as a kid, that was the coolest thing to see that thing go speeding by and then her flying <laughs> out through the window. Yep. And, and and I'm and watching it this time, I was like, they allowed that to be in a PG movie. <laughs> it was like as a kid, well, like that was totally okay. You but, know, I mean it it was back back then pg mm-hmm. movies even had i mean of course you know they had like mm-hmm. boobs and oh yeah yeah uh, cussing and stuff oh like yeah that. yeah oh, pg yeah uh, of course totally different kind of, pg yeah then it was, de- yeah, <laughs> it was definitely PG a different pg yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, nudity is, is a kind of par for the course a little yeah. bit and so yeah. um you know it's it, i i remember being scared whenever i saw one in real life for the mm-hmm. first time and oh I yeah was afraid i didn't want to get on it because i was afraid it was going to shoot out the window yeah. Uh, so yeah. i mean it was successful he he did a good mm-hmm. job so uh i have to applaud him for that but but yeah it, it it's definitely uh one of the funniest scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> and i love it because she goes outside and the gremlins are just caroling to her yeah you know? oh yeah yeah because <laughs> <laughs> we go christmas caroling every year like mm-hmm. my brothers and i or, yeah. my, or uh, my, my family and i and so um that's just to me it's every time we go caroling i always picture us like as gremlins just la, 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 la. <laughs> not quite <laughs> right right but yeah that and that that scene is funny and then i like um i like after that i think it's right after that is when it's the two cops that are pulling up and then the the santa claus comes running out of the house yeah uh, or maybe it's right before that i don't remember it's around the same time but they're like what is he he plays santa every year and it's like uh what does he got now what are those things on him and as they get close to the window the the partner's like i want to go back to the station now I'm ready to go back to the station now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I love it because the cops are just, I mean, the, and this is a typical TV trope, you know, where they yeah. don't believe the kid, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, like, it's the creatures. They're like, ah, oh, the creatures, whatever. You know, they're just so, so much doubters. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Which course, again is that brilliant blend of like comedy and horror that mm-hmm. uh, Joe Dante does. He oh, does yeah. so well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so, and Good then, stuff. yeah, I think the scene that I remember liking as a kid that it doesn't, it hasn't aged as well, but the whole bar scene where they're just, it's just, oh, yeah. it, it's just full lunacy of them. You know, you're just kind of seeing the different characteristics of the different gremlins are dressed up, you know, uh, there's some female, there's some male, they're, you <laughs> know, they're dancing. playing, they're breakdancing, they're playing <laughs> poker, they're shooting yep. each other. It's like, what, you know, like what in the world is going on? But knowing now that Dante really wanted to be like a Looney Tunes, like that was his whole idea of them being like Looney Tunes characters. It makes sense that you're just going as zany as possible. But now as an adult, I'm watching like, why is Phoebe Cates giving them drinks? Why is she giving that? Why, (laughs) why is she still pouring alcohol? That's always my question. Yeah. I was like, why is she serving them? Get out of there, girl. Right. right. And then they're totally getting wet from the drinks, but they're not multiplying. They're not multiplying. Maybe there's gotta be water. Yeah. I was going to say there's, there's a theory from, I think the novelization or like, there's some like further story that, uh, that it was, there was a, there was a line in the dialogue that, or there was a scene where, uh, Billy had thrown, spilled juice on on uh, Gizmo, Gizmo, and it didn't. He did nothing happened. So he realized, oh, it has to be water. So that was never fully explained in the final film. But once again, it's it's a it, when these movies weren't meant to be watched over and over and over again to think about them that extensively. So right, but yeah. uh, but yeah, and I want to say, uh, am I making it up? But in the novelization, didn't they say that they were like uh 
like creatures from another world or something and maybe uh, so i don't know I, I believe they were like aliens and mm -hmm. uh they were all mogwai and only like one out of ten thousand uh would be able to not become a gremlin oh okay but uh you know uh, gizmo was not one of those apparently no <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah but yeah it was something like that something like like they were they were bred to like take destroy worlds or something like mm -hmm. that. yeah so of course it's a novelization so it's never you know the 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 author can toss make some changes ideas, yeah and, and sometimes they work from earlier scripts but sometimes they just make up stuff to fill yeah. in some gaps oh yeah exactly. i believe that's what happened there yeah probably so so, but, yeah, but so I'm, I'm glad you and I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. No, again. go ahead. <laughs> I keep doing that. I'm sorry. No, you're uh, good. But I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Looney Tunes part because uh, Joe Dante actually prefers uh, Gremlins 2 to this right. movie. Mm -hmm. And in that one, they're very much more it's, Looney yeah. Tunes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a total farce. And I actually the, when I watched this one a couple years ago, I had started to watch Gremlins 2 because I, I, I got them as like a two pack when I bought it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so um I didn't get very far. And then I, a couple, like several months later, I was like, Oh, I want to go back and finish watching it. And I watched it. And it had been a long time since I'd seen the second one. And I was like, this movie really is zany and crazy. Yeah. And I remember loving it when I saw it in the theater. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was great. And then everybody <laughs> like it got panned by the critics and it was considered yeah. a bomb and nobody really talked about it. But I was like, why did everybody hate it so much? And now watching it again, I was like, well, if you watch the first one, if you watch them back to back, like I kind of yeah. did, you can see why it's like it's a total departure from it the is, first really. one. Yeah. But but it, it it's it's still it's a lot of if you just want to be just laugh at crazy, stupid things, it's a good one to watch. <laughs> yeah, and, and I and I think why why this one works so much is because it does have a lot more of the horror part. Mm -hmm. And so the comedy balances out really well. Whereas oh, yeah, yeah. part two, it's let much less horror, mm -hmm. much more just zany antics yeah. and comedy and yeah. so i think it kind of skews in that one direction and because mm -hmm. of that it's just not quite as successful yeah um although i i same thing i loved it i love the you know the, the spider gremlin yeah. and the oh bat yeah, gremlin yeah. And, yep. you know yep. all the, the kooky ones and which uh by the way if if you've never seen that key and peel uh mm. sketch uh, oh where, yeah where they're, where they're pitching the idea for they're Grimm's pitching the team. ideas yeah <laughs> if you haven't seen it you gotta go watch it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh my goodness one. yeah all right yeah. so then so my last favorite scene and then we'll, we'll move along but so sure. kind of switching from like i i didn't like the the bar scene as much but the movie theater i love i love yeah. them in the movie theater and the scene of you know you're looking like you're, you're like it's this the screen looking at them and they're kind of dancing back and forth and of course it gives me old muppet movie or the Muppets show kind of vibe yeah. of watching them kind of move in, in unison or, you know, that kind of thing. But when they start singing along to Snow White, I just, <laughs> it's just so, it's just so crazy. And it's so funny. And it's it like, yeah. what a juxtaposition, like here are these total evil maniacal things that are laughing and enjoying the most, you know, pure and simple, you know, Disney movies there is. So <laughs> it's just, and that's what this movie is. It's like, let's take the far extremes and put them together and, and, and watch magic happen so yeah and it works it it really does uh, <laughs> and then of course uh they they see them behind the screen and then they go mm -hmm. crazy and, yeah yeah <laughs> it's and like then, oh yeah they are they are killer monsters that's right. yeah <laughs> and uh, i read some i didn't put in my notes but i i was thinking about it when we talked talking about it that i think phoebe cates in an interview and they were talking about the scene where the theater blows up and uh this is also the same theater because we didn't talk about this so the town of Kingston Falls is also the same 
set that they use for Back to the Future. So it's the same square, same town, same movie theater. So this this movie yeah. theater that gets blown up is the same theater that Marty McFly drives the DeLorean into, I think, in Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, so little add a bonus there for nice. you when you get to the Back to the Future. <laughs> but when they blew that up, CV Cape says you talk to one of the the uh, special effects guys. She's like, you know, how much how much explosives y'all put in there? It's like, oh, we, we packed it pretty good. And she's like, I didn't know what that meant. And then when it went off, it blew <laughs> the doors off the theater and like, like it freaked everybody out. And they said it actually did damage to other buildings on the lot, like a mile away. <laughs> so, so it's oh pretty, gosh. pretty serious. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, Hey, go big or go home, right? Exactly. <laughs> hey, if you're going to have one big explosion, in a movie, let's blow up the movie theater. Let's just yeah, go for might it. Might as so, well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. I uh, I hadn't heard that one. So that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I dig that. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some trivia. We'll kind of cover a few of the scenes too. Uh, we'll not go too deep, deep in this, but you know, I, and I only put this in because my wife and I were talking about it uh, because she was asking about the gremlin. And I said, oh, well, you know, this isn't where the word gremlin originated like this was a word from before and she's like oh really so the term gremlin is a neolo neolog i'm gonna say a word that i don't know how to say neolo neologism neologism yeah. there you go jerry said it better than i did <laughs> uh originally coined by english norwegian author roald dahl oh, missing all kinds of names up famous for a somewhat dark children's books which i knew that his story right. gremlin lore about fictitious mischievous elves that were said to cause unexplained damage on Royal Air Force planes was commissioned by Walt Disney, but was never made. In addition to restoring the classic Warner Brothers logo to the opening of the movie, it was hoped to release this movie along with the classic Looney Tunes short Falling Hair from 1943, where Bugs Bugs Bunny is harassed by an airplane gremlin during World War II. This fell through, but highlights from the short do appear as part of a behind-the-scenes featurette that has also been included on the special edition DVD. So, uh, so yeah, so Gremlins was not, it, it's probably more famous now because of the movie, but it was a well-known, you mm-hmm. know, term before the movie came out. And I think, and uh, uh, what's the character's name? It's the uh, the the neighbor, Fetterman, Mr. Fetterman? Mr. Fetterman. 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 Yeah, Fetterman. Yeah. So the his whole conversation when he's coming out of the bar and he's pretty drunk and he's like, you know, those gremlins, they get in our TV and they get in our wristwatch and they get on. I had uh, a uh, an aunt of mine <laughs> or great aunt of mine that one day when she was, you know, pretty close to her, you know, before she passed, she found out that I was driving a foreign car when oh, I was yeah. like 16. And she was like, don't drive those foreign cars. They have, you know, the the you know, I'm not going to use this term because it's, she used <laughs> yeah. a term I will not say, gotcha, uh, gotcha. you know, yeah. that, you know, put those things in your car to spy on all that kind of stuff. And I was like, so watching it again, I was like, oh my gosh, people really thought that way. Like he was saying this stuff, but that was like how people really thought. But uh, I just thought that was an interesting story. I may cut that out, but anyway, See, go ahead. <laughs> See, and I remember the, I remember that Bugs Bunny, um, yes, you know, that Looney yeah. sketch where, mm-hmm. where he's fighting the, the gremlin, you know, because he had like the airplane wings coming out mm-hmm. of his head and his face was kind of like a little cockpit. Um, so I always remember that. And so when we were going to go see gremlins, uh, which is funny because I don't really remember things from when I'm like that young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I remember that. I remember because um, <laughs> I had seen the cartoon several, you know, quite a few times. And so I was expecting the gremlins uh, to look like that. And well, they didn't. <laughs> yeah exactly they did oh well <laughs> yep. it's probably better that they didn't <laughs> yeah yeah so so one yeah go ahead 
no i was just gonna say um that i noticed when when they're in the bar um mm-hmm. and and i i had to double check and then i looked it up on imdb to to, to even check that because I, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure but one of the gremlins is playing the star wars arcade game yes i did notice that too yep, yep. <laughs> which is awesome <laughs> i did notice that I was like, yep. I, remember, I remember playing that game. So I did I, too. When, yeah. When it, when it popped up, I was like, was I know awesome that game. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a so, cool game. Hey, they did pretty good. Warner Brothers got a Disney movie with Snow White. They got a Star Wars property. I, I don't know if they get away with that now without having to pay extra money to do that. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They'd have to license it out. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, that's oh. how times have changed, huh? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right, well, so and they show, uh, and she's watching. The mom is watching. It's a Wonderful Life mm-hmm. in, the, in the beginning as well. Yeah. Now I know back then the uh, the copyright had actually lapsed. Yeah. And so it was actually free to to air, and that's why mm-hmm. it really became a Christmas standard. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, even even then, that's still pretty good to to get it in your movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's smart. I mean, everything they're watching on TV is old black and white movies, and I'm sure we're yep you know past the copyrights so they're able to do that but they all kind of tie exactly. in to the story as well so that was good yeah yeah <laughs> one little cool uh trivia thing i found was one of the reasons for the no bright lights rule was that in 1984 uh dante and amblin could not completely navigate the perilous waters of special effects for the gremlin puppets that will by keeping them in the dark this camouflage this problem this is actually an old sci-fi trick. Dante did the same thing with the tricky and lumpy practical effects for the howling in 1981. They kept the monsters in the dark to hide special effects problems. So, I mean, that's, they still do that yeah. today with CGI. You know, that's why every big battle at the <laughs> end dark. of a, at the end of a big CGI movie is usually at night and it's very dark so they can hide those kind of things. But I did look, think that was interesting that you, Hey, work that in the script. They, they can't be yeah. in bright light to keep everything dark. So, <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, when everything's practical, you got to do what you can to to make it look okay. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, I like I said, it works. They, it still, it still looks good for for CG. I mean, for for not CG. Uh, you know, it still holds up. I think. Yeah. So exactly. Hey, keep it in the dark. I'll, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let me do one one or two more, and then we'll 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 start to wrap sure. wrap this up. So. Uh, the gizmo puppets were particularly frustrating because they were smaller and thus broke yeah. down more uh, to satisfy the crew that was very frustrated. A scene was included in which the gremlins hang gizmo on a wall and throw darts at him. Uh, they say this was included on a list that the crew created known at, known to them as the quote unquote, horrible things to do to gizmo list. <laughs> so <laughs> horrible things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, hey, I get it yeah <laughs> when technology doesn't work you mm-hmm. just you, <laughs> you you want to smash it sometimes mm-hmm. so every yeah and that was that and that was a scene that i remember like not liking as a kid me too when i they, was like so terrified yeah for gizmo yeah like no no don't do that to him no don't <laughs> hurt him <laughs> like thank goodness they were such terrible you know aim. shots yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i know at one point uh one thing i read was that they were trying to uh, I think they were going to use a spider monkey in like a gremlin mm-hmm. costume, but yep. like they couldn't control it. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just crazy. And so eventually they're like, yeah, let's do puppets instead. Yeah. Yeah. They said it, it got, when they tried to put the makeup on it, it totally freaked the monkey out and the monkey just went berserk and ended up like tearing up the set that day. All the thing they, you know, whatever the set they had <laughs> for that terrible. day. Like, Nope, we're not going to do this. Cause we'll, we'll never get through filming. We'll never get tear- the movie finished. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. I had read that, had that in my notes as well. So yeah, that's crazy. 
Uh, one little, another, I thought this was cool. The scene in the department store where Stripe attacks Billy with a chainsaw was not in the original script. It was added by director Dante and Zach Galligan as an homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's one of the scenes that always kind of bugged me, even as a kid, because it's like he's not trying to use his legs or anything yeah, to, get, yeah. to get him off. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what are you going to do, Billy? I mean, eventually <laughs> he's going to saw through the bat. Yeah. And I was thinking, <laughs> so, I was like, any good chainsaw would have sawed through that pretty quickly, I think. Uh, I think you're right. I, yeah. So it, that must have been a terrible, like, don't buy your chainsaws for that department store. <laughs> yeah. That was, the, they, that was the dulled, like, you know, the, when yeah. they have the demo model. The out demo, for you. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the display. So, yeah. You can, you can hear the engine, but it's not going to cut anything. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was yeah, crazy. That, that one always, that always kind of bothered me. I, although I did love when Gizmo would drive around in that little mm -hmm. car. The little car. That yeah. So, that was so cool. <laughs> it's like, wow, how's he doing that? Mm -hmm. And then his eyes are always like moving around really fast so yeah that was cool yeah, it, was, it was good i i know they had issues with it they didn't like the puppet but you know mm -hmm. what it it, it, it sold worked. me it yeah. sold me yeah i was there in, i was all in yeah there are a few spots like watching it again today there are a few spots where they mentioned gizmo and I'm like that doesn't really look like gizmo and i'm sure it's because they were still trying to fix things as you know each one putting different faces and doing different things with it you know, if they didn't call him Gizmo, I wouldn't have known which one was which some, some of the times. And that was kind yeah. of more in the middle. Uh, but also, and, and I'll just kind of briefly mention this. I don't have time to read the whole thing. But in the original script, Gizmo was to turn into Stripe. Oh, wow. He, yeah, like that. there weren't two separate things. But once again, Spielberg was like, no, Gizmo is too cute. We can't have him turn into the bad guy. So they had yeah. him be the hero. And so, but that was decision was made after they had already the puppeteers already created more spike or, you know, gizmo for the beginning, but they had not created any gizmos for the end of the movie. So they said, that's why a lot of the middle section gizmos kind of not in the movie as much. Right. And why at the end he's in that car, that car was strategic because they didn't have time to do <laughs> a full, a full model or to have the time to have him running. So let's just yeah. put him in this, this, this uh, remote control car and, and have him go by. So <laughs> they could hide his feet. <laughs> exactly. Hey, it worked. Yeah. it worked. It so. worked. It did. Yeah. I, I mean, and it was like the coolest thing as a mm -hmm. kid, like, Whoa, he drives a car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's super cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I do want to bring up the dog. The dog is awesome. Oh yeah. I did. Yeah. And He's cute, cute yeah. little puppy there. Yeah. And uh, I was reading, I didn't put in my notes, but I was reading some stuff the other day about that. The dog, they said the dog was perfect because he reacted so well to everything going on. Like they didn't have to train him as much for the reaction shots. Like they just kept a camera on him and he gave great shots with the puppets and stuff. Like he wasn't scared by all the, you know, the, the things going on around him. He was very, very disciplined. So, but I really watched the dog <laughs> this time watching it. I was like, the dog gave some great expressions and like yeah. uh, the, the scene where I and when you think about it, when, when Gizmo comes by with the car and like comes behind the dog and the dog like jumps up and uh, <laughs> like doesn't bark, doesn't run away. Like he stayed on his mark. I was like, that's a that's a well-trained dog. Good job. <laughs> well, and I love that scene where they like wrap him in all the Christmas lights and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's so well done. Comic books have been around for almost a century. 
and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. All right, well, let's talk about some deleted and omitted scenes. We talked a little bit about the novelization earlier, so right. these were some things that I thought were, were worth mentioning. So uh, one of the most memorable scenes in Gremlins is the demise of the evil Mrs. Deagle, which talked about the heartless miser who was sent flying through the air after the creatures interfere with her electric chair lift. Uh, Mrs. Deagle originally loomed even larger over the entire story as a cut subplot had her buying up swaths of land in a bid to construct a new power plant. This story thread was eventually dropped to maintain focus on the gremlins themselves. And so uh, I think there were some actual deleted scenes they were talking about where uh, Phoebe Cates shows her plans to Billy um, and kind of shows that she's buying up all these properties because she's building a power plant. And so uh, but they end up cutting that part. So well, she's also kind of Mr. Potter from. Uh, yeah. It's a wonderful life. It's yeah. A wonderful life. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So. Oh, wow. Another major deletion involved uh, the fates of two other antagonists, Billy's strict boss, Mr. Corbin, played by Edward Andrews, and the sleazy co-worker, Gerald, played by Judge, Judge Reinhold, <laughs> we talked about earlier. In the final cut, these two sources of stress in Billy's life simply vanish from the story once the gremlin rampage begins. However, scenes were shot which revealed the, an ironic death for Mr. Corbin. He was bludgeoned by clocks after an earlier lecture about punctuality. So there's also another deleted scene <laughs> where Billy comes late to work and he talks about punctuality, you know, uh, yeah. for a few minutes. And then uh, the comeuppance for Gerald that found him locked in the bank's vault. And I also saw that in when they would show this on TV uh, back in the 80s, they would insert that scene with uh, them finding him in the bank vault. And uh, deciding to leave him in there because it was safer for him to stay in the bank vault than to be out. But he basically told Billy, he was like, hey, my boss is dead. I'm going to be the new bank manager. So if you want to keep your job, you've got to save my life. So um, <laughs> so Billy moves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the big so, city. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I want to say like in one of the early drafts of the script that uh, Judge Reinhold's character was going to be more involved. Like he was going to be, it wasn't just going to be Billy and Kate right, running, yeah. running around, like he was going to be the kind of that trope of the enemy becomes the ally in the final battle kind of a thing. So, but they ended up scrapping that uh, to focus more on the gremlins. So I'm just going to say, I'm glad, I'm glad they did that. I thought yeah. uh, just to keep the focus on the main, you know, just, just gizmo and, and yeah. Jack and Phoebe, I think was, was probably the, the best uh, strategy because really he's just an ancillary character that, that yeah. would have just bogged down the film. You know? Yeah, exactly. So that was a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was interesting and because I didn't think about it until I read this because you don't see Pete either towards the end of the movie. Like what happened to Pete Corey oh, yeah. Feldman's character uh, in the novel. However, he is deeply saddened by the death of Mr. Hansen and even blames himself for it and runs away from home and is never seen again. So, uh, yeah well, i'm glad they kept that dark. out of the movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, I'd rather <laughs> just, it's like which is worse to forget that he ever existed in the movie at the end or to know that he felt guilty and ran off by himself so uh not good either way so no no poor guy i yeah. I, I like to think he just hunkered down in his house yeah and was pretty safe yeah <laughs> 
And then one last little bit that I, we, we have to talk about because it was such a big part of this movie, uh, what happened around this time. So Gremlins was produced by Steven Spielberg. We've talked about that. It was this movie and several others of his own flicks that had the MPAA, uh, Motion Picture Association of America, change the way they rate films. Between this one and his Indiana Jones movies, the films were a little darker than the PG rating they were marked at. Right. Since there were more than a few scenes in the flick that were beyond appropriate for kids, the MPAA looked to give the film an R rating. Spielberg had suggested to the board that they come up with a grade between PG and R. And thanks to that suggestion, PG-13 was created with the first film that ever got that, which was Red Dawn, which came out in 1985. So... So, yeah, so I think it's funny because when I think about this movie, I think of it as a PG-13 movie, but it's still PG. But it was I remember at that time, the same thing with Temple of Doom had just come out before this. And once again, it was a real I remember going to the theater. My parents like, what have we taken our kid to see? Uh, (laughs) You know, pulling hearts out of men's chest was a little iconic. Yeah, speaking of iconic. Exactly. Which was a little much for PG. All right, last little bit, and we'll, we'll close it up. But box office and critical reception, originally planned and scheduled for a Christmas release, this movie was rushed into production shortly after Warner Brothers found out that it had no major competition against Paramount Pictures' Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or Columbia Pictures' Ghostbusters for the summer movie season. Wow, once we talked about the two great movies that came out that year. <laughs> yeah. Financially, Gremlins was a success. Produced on an $11 million budget, it was more expensive than Spielberg had originally intended, but still relatively cheap for the time. As, as uh, Jerry mentioned earlier, the uh, trailer introduced the film to audiences by briefly explaining that Billy receives a strange creature as a Christmas present by going over the three rules and then coming out with the fact that the creatures transform into terrible monsters. This trailer showed little of either the Mogwai or the Gremlins. <laughs> yep. In contrast to this, other advertisements concentrated on Gizmo overlooking the Gremlins altogether and made the film look similar to Spielberg's earlier family film, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. That did not that did not go well for them. Um, no, no. Because there were, well, I mean, I guess it still kind of yeah, did. Yeah, it I mean, did. It still made bank, but yeah. I know what you mean. It, I remember my parents being uh, just shocked that they brought me to this afterwards. Yeah. And um, I, yeah. And I read some stories about parents, like, pulling their kids out of the theater and demanding their money back. And, you know, you, you bait and switched us. How did you... Let yeah. us see this movie, things like that. So, yeah. but but it was released on June 8th, 1984, the same day as Ghostbusters. Gremlins ranked second with 12.5 million in its first weekend, but only 1.1 million less than Ghostbusters, which was much more heavily advertised and, and anticipated. By the end of its American screenings on November 29th, it had grossed $148 million domestically. <laughs> this made it the fourth highest grossing film of the year behind Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So it didn't wow. do too bad. But look, it it no. came out it came out in June and stayed in the theaters until November 29th. God, that you is remember crazy. when movies used to do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. It seems like ages ago. Yeah. You know, now it's like they're in the theater for like maybe 3 months tops, Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, but you know, these days as soon as it's when it's when it hits the theater, they already know when they're releasing it on digital or video. That's I mean, true. back then yeah. I think back then it was, I know it was at least one full year before it was on cable. That was the earliest. Usually, yeah. And then like video was usually a couple months after it ended its run in the theaters. So, but the first movie I remember being like, this movie is still in the theater was Footloose. I remember Footloose coming out and then like four or five months later, 
it was still playing in the theaters and we was like, wow, I'm surprised it's still playing. Yeah. Uh, but we also had a lot of dollar theaters back then too, that they would, you know, the older movies would stay there a lot longer because you could yeah. see it cheaper. So uh, yeah, I love the dollar, dollar yeah. movies. I miss the dollar movies here. <laughs> I did too so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the uh, critical reception. So Rotten Tomatoes has it at 85% on the tomato meter with a 78% audience score. IMDb has it at 7.3 out of 10 with a 70 on Metacritic. They're pretty close. IMDb is a little lower, but which are you? You more Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb on this one? Uh, I mean, I, I love it. So I, I yeah. would rank it higher. Uh, in general, I, I usually stick with just Rotten Tomatoes because that's the one I remember most. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it's more of a, you know, I, I would say it's definitely not quite 85%. I'd say it's, it should be higher. Uh, and I know that's just means 85% of people will enjoyed it, but right. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think that's kind of an average as well. Yeah. So, but I, I'd give it like an A honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's great. I mean, yeah. it's got, it's got great music. It's got a, a good plot. Like you said, it's original um, or at least for the time, you know, it's <laughs> the, the acting was great. Uh, even, even Corey Feldman as, yeah. as the little boy, I thought yeah. he did a great job. I mean, just everybody, uh, they, they nailed it. And, uh, and it's got a, a really cool scene where the mom just takes apart gremlins, you know, one at a time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she should, uh, give John Wick some pointers. Yeah. She, uh, but... <laughs> she definitely holds her own. Look, she did better than Billy did in the department store. I can tell you that. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only reason he, he won and killed more was because he blew up the theater and they just exactly. happened to be there. Yeah. yeah so, exactly. Uh, but you know, taking them out one by one, she showed him a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd give it an A for sure. This, it was a great, great movie. Yeah. And I've said it before. I'm all about rewatchability and watching it today. It's like, this is one that I can, I can still enjoy to watch. So yeah. it ranks pretty high for me. It does still have a few, like those few things you can have scratch your head moments or, you know, yeah, little course. things that could yeah. be done better, but it, it's still, it, it's still definitely one of the best of the eighties movies. I probably, I'm maybe not giving it an a, maybe like a B plus maybe or a minus right somewhere in there, but it's still, uh, it's still, I, it's still higher up for me so but yeah i enjoy it it's a good one it is yeah i agree (laughs) all right well that's good yeah that's gonna wrap it up for us so thank you so much jerry for being a part of this episode it was so good to have you Uh, any final thoughts or final words about gremlins you want to share with us you know you gotta watch it it uh (laughs) is it a christmas movie well that's up to you but i think i think you'd enjoy it at christmas time so you know, yeah. tune in and, and get some popcorn and some hot chocolate. And yeah, yeah I, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say, watch it for sure. Yeah. Hey, Gizmo, Gizmo wears a Santa hat. So, and that's right. There you go. Yeah. And the, and the monologue is about, it's all about Santa. Santa. Uh, so it, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down with that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Jerry, so much for being a part of this episode. I'm definitely have you back for another episode. It's uh, it's a joy to have you. So definitely everybody go check out totally rad Christmas podcast. If you want to start with lethal weapon that I'm on there, I don't have any problem with it's that either, one. but <laughs> it's a good one. Great stuff there. Uh, if you love eighties and you it. love Christmas, this is the podcast for you. So definitely go check it out. So thank you. And thanks for having me. I, I had a, a lot of fun and uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. One way is to send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. 
you can also leave us a voice message to the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our episode show notes. If you do leave us a message, we may just use it in an upcoming mini-episode. Another way to reach us is through the new 80s Flick Flashback Podcast Facebook page, as well as our Movie Views Instagram. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating, leave us a stellar written review, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. No matter which podcasting platform you're listening to us on, be sure to read the episode show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into this episode. That's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80s Flick Flashback. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.